This is Joanne Harold with Harold Growth Consulting, and I want to say congrats to the marketing madmen for reaching 100 episodes. Thanks for keeping it fun and always engaging. Loved talking about how not to suck at marketing and all the fun episodes. So keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you and congrats. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Madman with Nick Constantino and Trip Job. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Madman, Trip Job and Nick Constantino live celebrating from the battery. This we made it. This is not quite how we thought we were going to celebrate it, was it? This is a, this is a different thing. I, th- I feel like it's been such a whirlwind. You and I haven't had a chance to just sit down and do a, do one of these in a while. Yeah, we ought to just break out in song, 100 bottles of beer on the walk. Uh, can not count all the way down? Uh, yeah. My ADD <laughs> won't get past 97. Uh, but man, it, you know, it has been a, it's been a heck of a run. Honestly, when I came aboard 30 ep- or so episodes ago, it feels like it was yesterday. And I don't think I quite thought where this was going to go or, or what this was going to happen. And uh, I think I've learned a lot in 100 episodes. Um, I think we are really coming into our own. And, and uh. it, there, this has become much more of a service and a necessity than I think I ever intended it to be. Yeah, no, it's it's been fun. And and. Even though I know it's been uh, 30 official, I think you were on about 8 or 10 before that. So it's uh, more than, than that. And I think I've learned to talk a little faster in the uh, in the last, uh, I don't know, what is it? You've been on uh, for about uh, nine months, I think? Something like that. Yeah, it's so. been a while. And, and, and I think, you know, one of the things that people, you're listening to either a podcast or a radio show. We have to do those together. That's challenging, right? The the radio yeah. audience and what we're doing with the radio show is very different than what you're doing as a podcast. So I think that's one of the things we've been more cognizant of is, is separating those two out. Um, and honestly, the reason that we haven't had a chance to do one of these is because we've had so many guests. Yeah, and I think that's, I'll give Nick a lot of credit uh, for this. I mean, I think you've brought uh, getting some themes together and we've kind of built, you know, at times maybe for a month uh, theme around agencies or a month theme around B2C or sports, or B2B. I mean, I think uh, that's really, hopefully, given our listeners a chance to get some different perspectives over a couple episodes and sure. uh, then dive in. And, and today, I think we're going to dissect a little bit about what's what's similar and what's different. For sure. You know, I think for some what, of we, these. what we learned, um, you know, I think the, the funniest thing about having, uh, you know, four or so agencies is, man, the, the difference in perspective from one to another. I mean, you think you'd be talking to completely different entities and completely different people. And I think that's the beauty of marketing. But yeah. I also think that's starting to come a little bit the downfall is that be, because it's so theory based, it is all over the place. Like the recommendation one gives and another gives. And what I'm really coming to find is the core of this business is connection is connection to people and the ones that have succeeded are the ones that have built those networks for themselves and are being the ones to connect the dots and they're the connectors and you know we'll go into some details about individual people but you just see it out there you see the people who have thrived the longest are the ones that are great at connecting concepts connecting people connecting sales with marketing and, and I think I absolutely agree. And I think that's also a key part of just business and understanding that, you know, most of us have to sell something one way or We're another. Marketing is there to help you sell something. But, you know, it is about connections and it's about being authentic. And I think as we get into the, the different agencies that we'll talk about, to your point, yeah, they're all different. But I think they're all authentic. And I think they have figured out what their brands are, who they are. And if they may approach it differently than someone else, but they're true to that. And they find the companies and individuals who 
who need that support and can relate to how they approach it. And yeah. I think that's that's probably been the key. Yeah, and again, these are simple concepts we always talk about, right? Self-awareness, understanding your customer, understanding yourself, understanding your limitations. Yeah. And, and be, because of the pace of how rapid this pace is moving, I mean – I, I'm having people reach out that want to be on the show that are talking about, you know, ChatGPT4 and how they're implementing with so, and, and yeah. all this crazy stuff. And it's like, hold on a second, okay? We just came out with 3.5 and now we're on four. Uh, and like, it, 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 the pace has been just sped up so much um, that I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Uh, but on that note, let's, let's, let's start. Let's kind of break some of these down. I like that. Let's break some of these down into uh, segments and talk about it. So I'd like to start, let's start with agencies because you sure. brought it up. So we had, uh, we had Blue Sky. Um, we had uh, Conquer, we had Moto Moto, and we had um, Hot House, right? So those exactly. are the four cores, different kinds of agencies, different kinds of things. So, you know, my big takeaway from the agencies is I was placing a lot of my anger into the wrong part of the agency, okay? <laughs> my anger is placed at media buyers, okay? And my anger exactly. is placed at that because there is such a defined difference between being effective with your advertising and being efficient with your advertising. And by the time it gets to a media buyer, they are playing the efficiency game, okay? And I think that when you're playing the efficiency game is when you are wasting your money now on programmatic when they just found out that $20 billion is being thrown in the garbage. 30% of the ads never get heard by anybody. So how are you being efficient if it's 30% less effective than you were being told or told telling people that it was? the strategy agencies, the people that are really integrated in a business and learning. And that is where I believe that there is more opportunity for partnership and there's more opportunity to really help oh. these companies. Well, and I think uh, the four agencies you mentioned, uh, obviously we had, in most cases, either the founders or the chief um, strategy officers, or in some cases, both. And I think, yes, those are the ones that are thinking about um, business strategy. How do they work with their clients? And it's long-term view. And it's not – so media buying becomes transactional. And, you know, the traditional – and this is one of, you know, you know, my pet peeves is when it's all about design, that becomes honestly very transactional, short-term. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think that's where at times – agencies that focus on totally just moving the media buying through or totally on, hey, let's create a new logo, a new look, and move on. That's a point in time. I think those are the ones I've always struggled with. Yeah. And, and look, at a national level, if you have really good creative, I understand why you should be efficient with your buying. Your, your creative yeah. speaks for itself. You have a clear brand message. This is so well thought out. You're just buying medium to get this out there. On the local level, I think that's where I have the biggest problem, right? you do not have a clear and concisive strategy if you're just trying to hit everybody with a message. Because just because they're radio listeners doesn't mean they're not completely different people. And you're targeting messages, and that's where really my problem is. So it was fun to meet with people, um, different people, like to hear, we've dealt with Blue Sky for a long time, yep. hearing Charlie's point of view on it, and Charlie Legg was someone who, you know, hockey guy i got to learn know him a little bit and then all of a sudden it humanized it and we were talking about strategies and how we can implement and ironically we were about to work together and their client took too long and another competitor swooped in and took the assets yeah so sucks it happens but you know what though there's also something to the ability to call a bluff and actually mean it right well and i think that's one of the things that i remember from blue sky from Motomoto and hot house specifically um not the, we didn't talk about it with conquer but I think each of them was willing to say, you know what, we may not be right for for you with our clients. And whether they walked away from clients or just said early on, 
that, you know, again, this is the authentic part of the agency. This is how we're going to go about it. And if there are things such as maybe they want an RFP process and want to look at four different agencies or they're all about, you know, a certain thing that's not the core of, of how they go about it, they're willing to just say, hey, we may not, we may not be right for you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have such. I have after this met with the Hot House guys again, and you know I met with Nick, but they were telling he was telling me a lot of stories of how Brandon um, approaches things, and I really like Brandon. Um, you know, just that pedigree of Samsung and Louis Vuitton and all these high end things, and I think there is a place for that on a local, regional, and a smaller level, right? There is. It's time. We've had, there's been free money flowing for so long. If ever there's a time to take a risk, it's now. Yeah. It is so hard to stand out right now. There's, you're being bombarded by messaging. It's so easy for yeah. a little rinky-dink brand to seem like the biggest brand in the world. It's time to take risks is now. And I'm excited to be a part of some of those risks because that's what I have the most fun well, with. Well, and, and one of the things, you know, every now and then we throw in for, for those of you who are out there and looking to hire an agency, one of the questions we haven't brought up, but I remember I used it a lot, was um, ask those prospective agencies you're talking to, Give us a range of how long you've worked with your current clients, right? So Mora, for instance, I mean, with Southwire, I think it's over 15 years. It's one of yeah. their original clients. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden, if you get, you, you'll get a pattern. If you ask for three or four and, you know, you hear six months, nine months, three months, and you don't hear anything that's two to three years. Yep. Again, if you're looking for a logo and that's it, that may be fine. Yeah. But if you want... To someone to take you through a business cycle and you're not hearing two, three, four years, I think you have an understanding. And Moira had the best point. Like, she's seen regime change. So yeah. she's been the only constant. Well, three regime changes. Now, I'm going to counterpoint that, though. Yep. I also think you have to follow up and ask what exactly you are doing for that company. Because there no are questions. companies that are throwing every logo on there. And what did you do? They're like, oh, well, we printed their flyer that goes to 16 people in the neighborhood and that's that you're an agency yeah. like let's cut the tone it down one of the fun, fascinating things about hot house um they showed me a video that they were doing um i'm not going to say the client because it's not that public yet but massive company and their main agency of record wasn't able to accomplish this task so they tasked the hot house guys with doing it okay let me just say that this is one of the most prestigious brands in the entire world, and this product launch will be the single most important product launch this company has had in probably 50 years. And the Hot House guys got created with doing the copy of what's going to be yeah. all over airwaves all over the world. Okay, So I have two parts of this question. One, how the hell of an agency of a company of X size botch something as important to them? And two, what did those Hot House guys do to be in the place to capture that business? Because that's, this is going to yeah. be game-changing stuff for them. Um, yeah. So that's why I said, what is it that you are fulfilling for these clients in that agency role? I would ask that question because, there again, it is very easy. And take it from me, who has spent my life pretending to be more important than I am, it is very easy well, to make yourself be a grand appearance. And, and I'm going to take that back to one of the comments you made early on about people worrying now about chat GBT4, and we're still on 3.5, and a lot of people don't even understand. One, um, there's a difference between cycles and trends and fads. And well, I you agree have those never, lines have blurred a lot more? They've blurred a lot more, but... I think where you, you talked about how does an agency lose or botch something so bad, um, historically, more often than not, I will say it's the ones who get so focused on the fads, want to be the first out there to do something, and that's where I've seen things botched. 
Yeah. You know. But at the same time, usually the, the if you could be the first one and do it right, there's the most opportunity also. That's the risk-reward protocol of any yeah, business. Right, and that's understanding, is there a first-mover advantage yeah. or can you be a fast follower? Um, and I think it just depends on what the company is, what the situation is, and how you want to go about it. But I think that's that's one area. So when we come back from the break, uh, we'll dive into a few more of the categories. Sure. Um, but uh, we are celebrating 100 episodes of the Marketing Mad Men. Flounder, we need like a streamer sound or something to pop Woo! off on this. So you are listening to the Marketing Not Mad Men. Not that sound. That was awful. Uh, <laughs> on the extra 106.3, we'll be right back. This is Rachel Simon from Connect the Dots Digital. I want to say congratulations to the Marketing Mad Madman for reaching 100 episodes. That's quite a milestone. I had a blast when I got to be on the show, and I hope next time I'm at the 680 Studios, maybe one of the Braves will be there. Hopefully Spencer Strider. Anyway, great job, guys. Congratulations. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Hey, this is Moira Vetter, CEO of Moto Moto Agency and host of the new spinoff, Marketing Madhouse. According to ChatGPT, I'm supposed to say, congratulations on your 100th podcast. What an incredible milestone you've reached. Your dedication, passion, and hard work have paid off, and it is evident in the quality and success of your podcast. You've entertained and informed your listeners, creating a meaningful connection with them along the way. Here's to many more episodes filled with engaging content and continued success. Keep up the fantastic work. Man, get to the point, AI. You're killing it, guys. Congrats. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino celebrating episode 100 here at the Battery. And uh, we were kind of going back through uh, some of the different categories that um, we've done over the last nine months since, since Nick's been full-time. And uh, one of the fun ones, and I give Nick a lot of credit because it's not my space, um, that uh, you've been able to bring in is the entertainment world. Yeah. And we've had some tremendous guests. I've learned a lot, um, both uh, some of the backgrounds and how people are connected, but also, you know, just about different thoughts about how you go about promoting, whether it's an uh, artist or whether uh, you're tying in brands to some of these artists with uh, the people that we've had on. And I think... Uh, I think one of the first ones you brought in was uh, Rich Dallas. Yeah, and uh, that was uh, that was definitely one a of fun my episode. One of my favorites, and I am going to talk about Rich in one second. I do want to throw out for the sake of entertainment, as podcasts are meant to be entertainment. Yeah. Trip, do you know how few podcasts actually make it to 100 episodes? Let's put it this uh, way: there are 600,000 600, active podcasts at any time. Do you know what percent actually make them to 100 episodes? I would say probably half of one percent. It is below one percent that make yes. it to 100 episodes. Yeah. So 
So that is a, a, an astounding feat in itself. Yeah. Um, and I think that what I've what I've come to realize is we the, the worst thing you can do is limit yourself to what you're going to speak about. Yeah. But you still have to be niche, and it still has to be towards those marketing people. The good news is everybody is marketing something. Yes. Like we, I was like, let's do the market, let's do the sales madman. But you know yeah. what? Marketing and sales are the same freaking thing, and that is the one recurring theme that we always go back to. So now my buddy Rich. So uh, I'm not even exactly sure how Rich and I have met, but we've talked many times. The background coming from Bad Boy Entertainment. Um, this was the episode, if you don't remember, where we were naming our favorite rap songs, yeah. where Trip was, uh, I think he pleaded the fifth, which I think is a good <laughs> reference. But, uh, but Rich, coming from the hip hop background, what he said about Biggie and Craig Mack and the Big Mac with McDonald's, I mean, that was probably my favorite nugget of all of this. If you yeah. think about in 1994, Big Mac and McDonald's Oof. getting involved in that urban hip hop scene. That did not happen. Our memory is oh, so short term. That was such a risk. Even though, ironically, McDonald's were all in those neighborhoods. Woods. It is. So uh, that was. And then it was not Ray Kroc's McDonald's. It was not. And it, and honestly, like it was it was such a big thing. And it, it was so impactful for me because I grew up listening to that. And but but then even talking about reality TV with him and just getting the insights of how the shows are filmed yeah. and what they go after. And his it, it was really cool. And I think Rich hit me up after and he said, he goes, dude, I haven't had a conversation like that in so long. They're so infatuated with his persona on reality TV, which is this womanizing, you know, bad guy that yeah. he felt like he fell into that and he loved talking about hip hop. So Yeah, I had a great respect for his knowledge and uh, you know, the the way he thought through things. And very sometimes smart guy. I think that's one of the challenges sometimes with those in the entertainment world. They have a persona, okay, that becomes their persona that that, that sells them, but it may not really be who they are. Yeah, I, 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 and I think the, he caught himself getting lost in the character, and I think the reason that we've become friends is because, like, I don't watch Love and Hip Hop. Yeah. I couldn't care less about the person. Now, ironically, I did look back at an episode, and me and my wife had a couple of drinks and started yeah. laughing at just who he is on TV, because I never knew. Yeah. Um, but no, but but he was a great one. And then, you know, like, let's let's talk about, uh, you know, it sounds crazy, but let's talk about Janelle, because yeah. we talk about entertainment and, and Fox News and say what you will, yeah. it is not news it is political commentary oh. let's just call it what it is and i think it's it reality a, tv in a reality way. radio reality <laughs> tv but i think the conversation with her and and again it was such a different group of people that had this really and it, that was another one of my absolute favorite conversations oh. but we weren't talking about so much at politicians as how they're reaching the wrong people and how this pop culture all blends into each other. So I, I love that. We were talking about, I mean, it's, we weren't three generations. We were probably two generations, but we're split and different backgrounds. And yet we were to the uh, comment about rich. We were having very open, respectful conversations from different points of view, which we all three of us come from, which is an amazing thing. And I really, I cannot state this enough. That is the conversations most people are having. We yeah. are we are taking the horrible ones and the split ones and amplifying them. But most people have enough in common that they can talk through it or they're civil and cordial enough that they can look past each other's differences. Well, and, and even, you know, I'll relate some of the things now back in the uh, the more corporate side of, of things. And uh, we're a smaller company, but, you know, we're very open. But you have to be able to provide feedback. You have to have honest dialogue and uh, you have to respect that you're going to get differences of opinions and good ideas you know, from someone who might be with you six months versus someone who's been there for years and years. And uh, there's still a lot of companies out there that don't respect that diversity and everything's more top-down driven and people aren't, you know, A, they're not willing to speak up and B, um, there's others, and I will say I've seen it a lot more, that 
aren't able to take feedback. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's part of our our parenting society over the last 10 to 15 years, but um, for various well, reasons. Well, look, one of the things that I find very funny is, and I think most people that's listened to this show now can can see why people would think that I'm a little bit of a know-it-all, okay? Uh, I have work, people that work from all these people, like, oh, it's just a know uh, how many? you know how many questions I ask people every day? Do you know that we build a digital department by me asking a million questions? Yeah. I knew I didn't know it. I asked questions, respectful questions from people that I grew to have a relationship that wanted to help yeah. me. So it's not know-it-all. I'm not coming up with this. I have to, you have to ask questions. And part of receiving feedback is being able to ask, ask questions. questions. If you're not used to asking questions, then how are you going to take feedback? Because yeah. you, you don't want that. You just, you're just blowing it off. So part of life is the more you are willing to ask and improve on yourself, the easier it is for you to take feedback because all asking a question is is asking for feedback and asking for a response. So I think I don't know if it's a generational thing. I don't know if it's a everyone's got too high and they deserve an opinion or the feelings are going to be hurt. But I agree with you, man. Well, it is it is bad. Or they think that they can Google the answer. So uh, literally this week we uh, well no we, we would chat GPT the answer now. Yeah, that's no, true. Um, so we had a client, and you know this is obviously we're doing more and more in the biofuels and bioenergy space, and. Um, they told us we asked them questions, and we, in a couple of cases, we said, "Look, we're not sure of the answer, but our sister division that's really focused that we can get back to you." They actually were moving forward with them because they were so disappointed. They, these guys know the market. They said our competitor tried to tell them the answers on everything, and they knew they were bluffing. Yeah, so I mean, some, that's, sometimes it's that's like another, if you don't know, those people are the same too. The people that won't take feedback are the ones that pretend to know answers. Let me tell you what I've learned. The easiest response to that is, I don't know. I'll get back to you. To you, exactly. I don't know. I'll get back to you. Now, I I am completely fine with in the moment venturing a guess and saying, yeah. hey, I, this don't quote me this, but here's my two cents because you also got to be able to improvise and think on your feet. But at the same time, if you're talking concrete goods and percentages and numbers, I don't know. I will get back to you. It gives you time to formulate an opinion, strategize, get back to it. So, yeah, I, look, you know, I don't know how we got from entertainment to here, yeah, yeah. but let, let's let's throw this whole conversation off because one of my favorite uh, ones, actually, Trip, you weren't here for this, was yeah. Mr. Caesar Milan. Oh, yeah. We talked about when we talked about the microdosing of hallucinogens. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know if this one. I don't know what we where this hey, one was going to go. Good thing I wasn't here. I didn't know where this one was going to go, but C Caesar. He he worked for CNN for 25 years. He was a writer for CNN. Another thing that I've learned through this. Old school journalists are some of the most successful people because they are the best at, at putting out a brand, clear, concise brand message. Caesar was the most polished. He believed in what he said. He had a whole bunch of evidence to back up what he said. And ultimately, you know what he said when he started with? Look, this might not be for everybody. If it's not for you, stop listening now. Yeah. The first thing he said, and I was so respect of it because we are so hell bent on, uh, you know what? If you okay, don't so like what's here, shut it off. We're how not many different options happy. do you have? Right, we're not going to make everyone happy. So yeah, you don't and like Don it. Dixon was another one. Oh, oh right. you know, I mean, I talk about Don. old school and and having been there and knowing when to to turn it off and when to walk away. And I ran into Don like four times since since we met. Four times since we've met. I I, I caught him on the phone. It was funny. He was coming back from Portland, and he's like, "What's up?" I go, what the hell are you doing? He's like, you know, going about a buck oh five, coming back from Portland. Don's 72 years old. Yeah. He's driving 100 miles an hour back from Portland because he was so bored with driving. And yeah. I was like, there he is. Um, yeah, so many so many good ones. And as we look through this, um, you know, entertainment-wise, I think Prize Picks was a really good one. Um, it, it was a little, 
it was a little pins and needly what we could and we couldn't say. Right. It's an interesting space. Uh, but once the lawyers looked over, like this is completely fine. You, yeah. This you can't take these things too seriously, right? Like you are in a competitive space with an industry that overlaps with what betting is like. You're just you're not drawing correlation. You're just saying like this is how I think of these things as exactly. bets, not as placement. So uh, that was a really good one, and I love the local company there. Um, and then I think realistically, when you go through the rest of these, um, we had a lot of sports coming up. Um, and then we had a lot of, I think we'll do, let's do sports. And then let's go into like I- industry stuff, like the yeah. radio one and the billboard one. So um, what about sure. sports trip? What do you, what, what did you learn you about know, sports? What were some big ones in sports that you picked up? You know, I think, um, well, one of the recents, and it was, it started out as uh, a little more on the B2B side with TK Elevator and Gerson, but yep. um, you know, just the, uh, the, the part about the refs, Right. And so uh, the ref community and uh, the fact that, you know, he's kind of gone viral and there's so many people now who recognize him. But, you know, he's taken a message and a passion. And that was, you know, that's the side hustle. Yeah. And so I think, you know, uh, many of us out there and, and I would uh, say to those in marketing is, you know, look, look, if there is a side hustle, something you're passionate about, I think uh, the Gerson episode was a great one yep. to listen to. And a great example of not always agreeing on everything. I do yeah. not agree with him. If you are a professional ref, and you make a bad call, you deserve to be heckled. I don't care what yeah. anyone says. <laughs> I have been to too many games. NBA is the one that always stands out the most. But NFL, yeah. seasons have been destroyed by bad calls by refs. Those people are professionals. They're, they're full-time paid. Uh, I, I know. Yeah. But I'm just saying, yes. in that, he was very clear that no one should be heckled. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. You're paid enough money in a, that you should be heckled. Like yeah. that's it. When, when you when you, if you're an NBA player and you miss two free throws, do you deserve to get booed? Of course you do. Yeah. Your only job is to shoot free throws. Yeah. Exactly. Well, a heckled's one thing. When, when we've when seen, we've seen them start throwing. I mean, that's obviously and of course, line, but that but line yeah. should have yeah. been delineated. Yeah. Uh, I think Jason Wells was another good one that bl- yeah. blurred that lines. NBA guy, good pedigree, what he's training, the mentality stuff he's going after. I was worried that that one was going to get a little bit preachy and a little yeah. bit, but he did a really good job of grounding everything back to look this mindset is something that can be switched, but just like everything else, you have to practice, you have to train, you have to commit yourself. And that's another constant theme that keeps coming up that I don't think is talked about enough. We do this show, I started doing this show with an intention of getting better at doing shows like this. I didn't even know what it was gonna look like, but it's reps, right? Now we've done so many, so I've slowed my cadence down a little bit, believe it or not. I've tried to speak slower. Trip and I are not jumping over each other's throats, talking over each other as much. You learn and you get better and it becomes, my favorite thing he said was, you do it enough, it becomes instinct and then it becomes habit and then it becomes instinct. instinct. And when you can have things be instinctual, your chance for success is just exponentially goes up. Exponentially. Well, and, and if you prep in advance, then you can make it as a real conversation. And hopefully the leaders, the listeners hear that from us. You know, it's yeah. not a scripted, this is not meant to be, you know, a, uh, oh, a TV I think, show. I think and they know there. it's not scripted. <laughs> but I, but I think we became better as, if, as if it, was it becomes scripted, conversation. It would be the best script ever written because yeah. it's so bad. It's so not a script. Uh, well, all right. So, we, you know, I'm going back. We're forgetting some of these. What about... Yeah. We had back-to-back Georgia ones. Yes. What about Hudson talking about Mark Richt? And what about then we had Joe Stanton? Joe Am, yeah. Joe, and then we had Joe Am. We, we had Joe from um, and John Stanton that came over from yep. the NIL yep. space who also played for Georgia talking about Kirby. I think we got more information on Kirby and Mark Richt than anybody's ever gotten. I from think the people. relationships, yeah, the relationships with their players. 
was what I took away from, uh, from it both was of unbelievable. That. And then about a month after that, we actually did an event with Mark Richt, and Mark Richt is getting towards the end. Uh, he can't he can't drive anymore. Yeah. We had to go pick him up. But Hudson went to his house, picked him up, drove him down, and we did the lunch with the legend event. And you could just see how the demeanor of a head football coach, and he and he's struggling with Parkinson's, and yeah. he just the ability to go and meet with people is not as much. So you saw a completely different human being, and it was yeah. so amazing to see that coach and what he has to be on the field to all of a sudden now in front of people at that stage of his career in life and what he is, it, it really was unbelievable to see. Well, um, I think you see the respect from Hudson and others who want to do that. And I always remember the image. I see it from time to time because I'm a incredible John Wooden fan. I've read so many books about John Wooden, but I think most people probably have seen the picture of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar literally helping Wooden yep. out to the center of the court. Yep. And that was, you know, he said he's the most impactful person in his life. Yep. And I think when you when you look at it, um, and, and Hudson's a great one because, you know, Hudson didn't play in the NFL, didn't have this yeah. long career. It was, the college was it. I mean, that was the pinnacle, and he knows it. So that relationship is just that important. Yeah, but Johan, what about Johan with the Super Bowl ring and hearing oh, about We got the, the week of the Super Bowl to hear from somebody who played in the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying there aren't a million people that play in the Super Bowl, but pretty damn cool for him to bring his ring here and talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, one of the advantages of working also at a sports station, as I guess, is, is having some of that access. And the dedication. I mean, I think that was, you know, and the other thing we took from Joe was, look, there's going to be times in your career where, you know, you want to be the the person, but you're not. How yeah. do you go about it? And that's yep. what you, you know, you heard from Joe. Yep. And, um, you know, we were uh, we were talking a little bit during the break. And, and one of the things I've taken away from a lot of these people is, um, you know, if you want to grow in your career, it's that willingness to do a lot of different things. And I think Joe expressed that. Right. And sometimes we can't all be the guy. Right. So uh, how do you do other things to help your team, help your business? And that was that was Jason Wells. Also, a lot yeah. was was what happens when you're not the superstar anymore. Yeah. Right. What happens? You know, those, those those eight girlfriends you had all of a sudden aren't so interested. What are the friends who is interested? Is that diversity? If you're not preparing yourself for life after sport, life after business, how many retired people, you know, that they lose their minds. Yeah, well, they lose you know, their minds. Well, right now, everyone's talking about with the NBA being over and the super teams work or not. Right. And so that whole idea of, you know, are you better off um, not it. having super teams or are you better off having it's gonna teams flow. like yeah. they're saying that because the CBA is up and no one can afford exactly. paying these guys 60 million. Ironically, this morning. Um, so Chris Paul had just gotten traded and he was on Harvard Business Review doing a podcast this morning. The timing, they definitely pre-recorded yeah. it, didn't exactly align. But when you hear from Chris Paul, you almost are like, what? So, you know, they like he's being paid too much, blah, 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 blah. Dude, he's 38 years old. He's been the head of the players' union forever. Has yeah. all these jobs he's doing after. He wants to give all this stuff. Answered calls. Got us through COVID. Like, who cares? He's what? a mentor. I mean, he's a he's coach so in the locker room, right? To you know, and come on. And we, what's we, your role? And I think that's the key. And what we heard from a lot of different people is sometimes, you know, figure out what your role is. And, and there's not always the the alpha. Right. He was not Allen Iverson. Let's just yeah. call it what it is. And I'm, I'm saying as a score, as a personality, but he's going to be remembered a lot longer than Allen Iverson is because of yeah. the impact that he had on basketball. So seeing that diversity, I think it, it, that, that was another, you're right, is a big theme. Goes to sports, goes to business, goes across the across the board to everything. So yeah. I enjoyed the sports conversation a lot, a lot. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'll use this as a segue into maybe back to uh, maybe B2B um, and, or B2C with some of our uh, guests, but I'm a big believer in, in marketing, having that generalist. There's, there are a lot of people who just want a career, all right? They want to be the 45th guy on the 45-man team or whatever, and they're going to be a functional specialist. They're the, uh, 
the kicker or they're the the holder or whatever. And but there's value in those people. There's absolutely, not a value in those people because you'd rather that person be a specialist when you need them than be a rookie when you need them. But you want to be a coach after you're done, Chris Paul, for example. You know, the person who can move over every couple of years and take different roles. Yep. All right, become the generalist. You know, whether it was Mora, whether it was Joanne um, Gerson. You know, we can go on and on. Yep. The people that you know, moved in different areas and learned different parts of the business. And I think that just prepares you uh, longer term for for even greater success. I agree. And I think a great example of that is the the lines of B2B and B2C have blurred so much. If you would ask me five years ago, and look, I wasn't thinking about these kind of things five years ago, let's be honest, but the lines of what B2B companies are doing to market is so going near what B2C companies do. Like even Gurney, they're talking about having a TikTok page for an elevator company. Yeah. They don't yet, but is it in the, it's in the cards? Yes, that, that is not a B2B strategy was not build a TikTok page with video. Yeah. So you see those lines blurring, but without that B2C background, how are you going to apply those principles to B2B? So I think you see those lines blurring a little bit, and that's why that diversity, you should not go into something with a specialist mentality knowing you're going to only do that thing. Because in my experience, you make yourself completely disposable and mostly because things change so quickly whims management teams executives boards they're changing at a faster pace than i've ever seen i mean oh, if you absolutely. look back in the day you you had 20 30 year old chairmen that were around that you that does not happen anymore other than jamie dynan and a couple of these guys yeah. it just doesn't happen anymore it doesn't happen anymore. I think. What about what about some of the other B two B things we picked up? I love uh, more more of a general mentality yeah. of, of again, like this has to be the long play. You have to have a long term vision with the ability to pivot and d- be dynamic if you need to. But it kept coming back to fundamentals, and I think we can be as flashy as we want. But I think this show has kept coming back to fundamentals, and yeah. I, I, I was always a little worried that we were going to go down a path and just get yeah, like, away. No, but I it, think it's fundamentals a, don't change. Strategy is there. Technology is an add-on, right? You know, technology can be used to uh, to help you be more effective and efficient, and I think we've we've talked a little bit about that with different people. But, you know, if you don't understand your customers, you're not going out and observing what's going on and developing that strategy that's when you run the risk of going down a failed path of uh, tactics and uh, execution being, uh, you know, being a big fail. And we yeah. talked a lot about that, you know, back, shoot, with Hot House, I know, and I think with Conquer, we talked about some of the biggest fails and why did they happen, yeah. you know, that they had seen. And it, and it seems to be recurring themes of why they happen, which is usually the case. I think it, it comes back to a conversation we had about AI also. Yep. Your outputs are only as good as the inputs. You cannot make smart educated decisions and guesses without having good data, without having good inputs. All of the outputs are worthless without, and it takes years to accumulate the data required because you have to decide, you have to have for margin of error, sample size, fluctuations. Man, COVID, how bad did COVID, if you started getting yeah. data in COVID, that is, you might as well rip it up and throw it in the garbage because that data is worthless. 2020 and wow. 2023, could you imagine more different times it's, it's insane. Well, and, I, and I want to bring on one of my favorite guests because I've known her for a while. And granted, we talked a little more about uh, reviews and customer experience, but Dr. Sandy Jap at Emory. And you talk about research and getting the data. And I you mean, know what? You bring up a good point, Drip. She had fun. Yeah. One of the, one of the recurring themes, I swear to God, I, I would have never thought. But, you know, because of the way I think the show is structured and because of kind of your and I shtick, 
I think it makes it a little bit more fun for people, and I, yeah. I don't think it's what they're expecting. I think they all walk out of here like not, no one's ever like, oh my god, don't air that. It's, yeah. They always walk out like, hey, can you send me? I want to help you share yeah, it, right. which is a testament, I think, to what we have built. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but you know, you get worried, well, man. Our You're listeners are growing. So that's of, a good thing head too. Head of right? Emory's marketing department okay. with this schmuck here. I mean, are you I kidding know. me? But but we agreed, and we had a lot of things in common to agree on, and she challenged us, and we had some fun with it. So I think, I, I, but go but go on about Sandy because you're right. No, she, she's side. fantastic, and obviously, you know, a key about research and things take a while. And I think that's one of the challenges. And you know, when we get into B two C, maybe we'll uh, after the break we'll dive in a little more to B two C. But um, you have to keep at it. You can't just jump in and jump out. And I think that's one of the things that uh, you know she preached the uh, the long haul and always being there with your customers. And uh, you know it. And, and her focus, it was all about, um, you know, what are different ways or reviews or other means of online credibility. And uh, we learned a few things there. Yep. And we got to remember, she's doing a research paper. So most right. people, if, if Yelp is doing, they're going to do a self-serving study for themselves. They're yeah. not going out and doing real research with peer review. So it is always good to see those peer review papers. And it is, you know, you got to, it's long, you got to dissect yeah. it. But it is very important to have those tools when you can use them for sure. Yeah. So, um you know, with that, I think one of the other um, B2C, real quick, we got about a minute, I think, um, was Tito's. Yeah, I had some fun with Tito's. I, the story, again, it's one of those, man, did they catch it at the right time. They built a brand. Like, when I say a brand, Texas Vodka, not just Tito's. I'm saying Texas Vodka a exists clearly because of them. defined, authentic brand. And they did hit timing perfect. And they didn't pivot from what they were. And again, that we didn't have an American vodka. It's crazy to think about it, but we did not have an American vodka. So whether they saw the opportunity or just, but it's also something you'll never be able to duplicate that again. People have tried. They will try. It might. Yeah. You might get it. You might get another. But you're not going to make a vodka with that kind of clout no. that that came that quickly. It will never happen again. Which makes it that much cooler to talk to them about it. Yeah, and, and they were unwavering in there. This is where we're going to be, and this is where we're not going to be. And I think that uh, was a great lesson. And uh, with Theo, and uh, actually I had someone the other day who knows Theo well and said, "God, I had to listen to that episode." There so it go. was. It was also pretty. They're coming fun. out of the woodwork, man. They're coming, they're coming out. out of yeah, the and we're, uh, we had private bars and things like that as well on uh, one of the the hip hop shows, but. But, um, you know, we are uh, the Marketing Mad Men. We are celebrating uh, our 100th episode. So uh, you're listening to Nick and Trip, and we will be right back on Extra 106.3. This is Joe Artimi with Moe's Southwest Grill. Congrats to Nick and Trip on 100 episodes of the Marketing Mad Men. I am honored to be somewhere on the ranking of the top 100 guests you've had on the show so far. Just don't tell me where. Here's to many more episodes, fellas. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash john. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today is your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner.
Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Uh, we are celebrating our 100th episode. Uh, and again, if you're tuning in just to start, uh, very few people make it this far. Yeah. So I'm, I'm honored to have started this with Trip. I'm proud to have made it where we have. But most importantly, uh, thank you to everyone who's listened, everyone who's participated. We, we get more requests of people that want to be on the show. And, you know, it's yeah. hard to vet out who is someone who just sends it to a million companies and who listens. Uh, but the tide is turning, and I feel people that are engaging more and following us on social media and be more part of it. The goal is not to be a podcast or a radio show. Yeah. The goal is to be a solution for people who want to have these conversations. They are not being had, Trip. They are not happening. Right. They're happening on a national oh. level, maybe on a micro level, but the regional with a city as big as Atlanta, I am shocked that there is not more of these conversations happening. Well, and, and we have to thank uh, both David Dickey and Colin Wheat for their support. And then also um, the original partner, uh, my former business partner, Dan Rand. For sure. And uh, there's no question we talked about sometimes being unabashedly yourself and authentic. For sure. That is Darren. And is uh, we had a lot of fun with uh, Darren for about the first 60 episodes. And sure. uh, he's doing well with Rand Inc., and uh, thrilled that, uh, Nick, you've been able to join us. And I think we've just taken it, uh, like we said, onward and upward and now into our next hundred. Yeah. So. Yeah. So now let's talk about some things I've learned about podcasting, because this is uh, this is this is let's switch over to the actually how we can help people. OK, so when we started doing this. I reached out to a lot of people. Grant Cardone was the big one that I spoke to. Very big real estate guy, very big public figure. And I was connected with him. And he goes, okay, so num rule number one, do not do anything until you get to 100 episodes. Uh -huh. And I said, Grant, why? And he goes, there's two things. One, what if you suck at it? Two, you won't be good to get to 100 episodes. And three, what if someone likes your first five and they can only hear six, seven, and eight? Right now, we have a back catalog of 100. So if you like right. one, you might go listen to 100 of them, which means you're spreading the influence so much faster. And my goodness, at a, when we started promoting around this episode, I mean, we are, we are upwards of 20,000 podcasts per week right yeah. now, downloads per week we're getting. So the radio show is doing well. We've had really good ratings for Nielsen. I think having a local station helps that. Um, but when you're doing podcasting, your content, your SEO, your chaptering, do not take that stuff for granted. You could have the best show in the world if you are not playing the games in which Google, Apple, Spotify do to index and share your podcast, you are doing yourself a disservice. It is like everything yeah. else in the world. You could have the best product, it needs a plan. And well, that's the key part, need a plan. And I've written a lot, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn or different publications out there around content strategy and calendars. And the biggest fail I see is someone who wants to start something and they have an idea for the first one, maybe the second one, and they don't take any time to write anything else. I say to everyone, I said, you really need to get six episodes or whatever it is fleshed out. I call them skeletons. All right. Beyond that, you need to have another five to six concepts, ideas. Concepts. Yep. And those are headlines. Yep. Nothing more. Yep. But if you don't, whether it's a newsletter, yep. podcast, blog, whatever it is, if you don't do that work up front, and Nick does a lot of that work now, and, and that's why we did some of these themes, guess what? You're going to get two weeks in, three weeks in, and life, business, whatever is going to come up, and you're not going to be ready. You're going to push one week off, or you're going to go do one, and you're going to be bad because you don't have any prep. And it, it just that's the failure I see more often than not. And you have to have a core, right? Like we start, I, did, I did a couple of marketing Mad Men minutes. Time didn't allow me to yeah. keep doing them, but the core is there. We promote on LinkedIn. We have social media that goes out. We do a podcast the week before, the radio show the week before we promote. We launch a podcast. There's, they, the word I would like to tell everyone is cadence. 
Everything, it sounds so crazy. It's not a word you hear often in anything, but you have to have a cadence with your yeah. product releases, with your schedule, with the way you speak. Your how you speak on a show and your cadence is mm. so important because honestly, mm. that tone and that it is it's how you're gonna it's how you're gonna make shows easier. You know how hard it is to spit out a minute and just end on a minute. You need practice. You need. Well, to you remember during COVID, I did the started out Tuesdays and Thursdays with Trip the video on LinkedIn. And you got right? cadence. I right? got they, cadence, and then almost flowed into and each other. After about fifty to sixty, I went to one day a week. And to your point, I think I got up to about one hundred and ten. And then at that point, there was so we started doing this, and there were so many other things going but, on. Would you agree that out. that cadence? Because if if, if you come oh. out and start screaming one day, and then you're like this one day, and then yeah. it's not it's not going to blend. It's not going to make any sense. So, and, and look, we're, let's go into some mediums now because I think. We've learned a lot. We've spoken with a lot of people. So digital. So right now, digital is still in the wild west. It's cra It's crazy oh. out there. I've ne I haven't had consistent people tell me consistent stories. I mean, Google Analytics four is screwing everybody up. I have a guy, a client, who was kicked off Google. He still doesn't understand why he can't get someone to answer. The thirteen thousand dollars I just won't take of his wow. money. So he started doing radio again, and guess what? Yeah. Up twenty five percent in the month where he stopped doing pay per click and kept doing radio yeah. because what one he'd been doing it forever. He was already established there. He already had his SEO maximized. Um, but the digital world, it is it is crazy. Programmatic. I think we've had a few rants on that. Programmatic right now, and guys, we feel hundred million programmatic impressions every every month. We are we have a huge programmatic. But I'm telling you right now. There is no way to know if people are actually hearing your message or not. It is impossible. It is such a micro level. There's one one impression here, one impression here. Radio is freaking governed by the FCC. I have to have notarized affidavits when we have to keep logs. We can get raided and lose our license by not keeping logs of every advertiser we had on. Isn't it crazy to think about? But they, they're trusting an in industry which is completely made up. I don't know if I went on my Loomiscape ram here. Have you ever seen the Loomiscape? It is 600 people that are taking your money before a digital impression even happens. Yeah. That's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Why do you need 600 people? You are serving an audience with a message. Why do we make it so complicated? Yeah, and then there's social. And uh, I wasn't on, but obviously I'm a huge proponent of LinkedIn. But you had uh, Rachel uh, on. So Rachel I know was, it was a great episode. Rachel was really good. And I think Rachel is providing a service that more people need. And it really, that was another theme, right? Branding yourself. Yeah. We forget about it. We get lost in it. That was Jason Wells, too. It's, yeah. let, let's stop talking about your business. What are you doing to make yourself better and marketing yourself? And it's another thing that it just is just lost. And I bet you we're going to do a lot more of those. Yeah, and I think, you know, I mentioned earlier before with side hustles, you can also brand yourself that's both good for your business and good for your side hustle, right? As long as you're authentic and true. We talked about it with Gerson. Yeah. A side hustle almost always is good for your work life also because the amount of things you learn from the side hustle should be able to be applied to your professional life also for sure yeah for sure what do we got we got anything else what do you got in closing bud uh well let's see here let's let's do a couple of fun tidbits we learned so i i see joanne harold here we learned that uh she used to uh you know, help out as a hamburglar and uh, in her early days uh, at uh, McDonald's. And then uh, I, I remember we set up a bar somewhere with Tito's. Oh yeah! Oh, that was uh, that was at Big Boy's house. That, that was a great that was a great one. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a great one. And I think one of my favorite ones was actually our um, segment with Charlie, where we did the uh, your thirty seconds about media, and we ran we ran around yeah. and had him give like his impression of each media, and we did like a quiz show. Yep. We're gonna have to bring some of those back. That was fun. Um, I enjoyed the uh, stories with with uh, Brandon and Nick. Uh, hearing about when when the, the horror stories with MTV, and then when he was with Samsung. 
and the guy yeah. had the, fl- the the Japanese flag on, which was perceived by yeah. the Koreans as like a war signal, and he had to save it. Uh, I, and, I very and much how can those. We, how can we forget Don Dixon and his mom was a stripper? We started the episode that way. I mean, <laughs> you know, ironically, some of the most fun I have is the titles, is the titles of these things, because you got to be fun, you got to be brief, but like. You know, so, sometimes you got to start at the beginning. That's what I call that one. Yeah. And the beginning was my mom was a stripper. And he and he, what else do you say? You start there. I think if you ever had to have a hook, yeah. my mom was a stripper. It was a pretty good way to reel them in, right? Yeah. So it was great. Well, hey, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've enjoyed the uh, the last nine months uh, working with with Nick, and uh, we've got some great things already lined up for. Uh, you know the next few weeks and i think plans throughout the year is going to continue uh, on so uh, and please write to us let us know what yeah. you want to hear about join we, we get a lot of requests but i still i can't reiterate this enough we're going to probably say yes and then if you're bad we're probably not going to air it yeah. but we're going to say yes let's let's have some fun and let's do it yeah let's uh it's been a blast keep uh, keep listening keep uh, giving us ideas and uh, definitely if you want to be on the show we'll uh We will try to get you scheduled in. So you've been listening to the 100th episode of the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll uh, be back next week. This is Janelle King, and I just want to say congrats to the Marketing Mad Men on reaching 100 episodes. Thank you so much for having me on the show and being able to share with the world how marketing plays a role in politics. Keep doing what you're doing. Looking forward to many, many more. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.